Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 217 of Courier Podcast. Our today's guest is Mr. Michael Guerrero. He's a 3D environment artist from California, United States. And as always, before we get into the questions, in the four contact section of the captions, you can find the links to his Instagram account, his Twitter profile, and also his art session. And also, there's those link three links as well, so you can, you know, check all the other his other socials and links as well if you wanted to. And uh, with that being said, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? All right, doing pretty good myself as well. And it's kind of, you know, as I mentioned before in the beginning of our in our pre-recording call, it's kind of nostalgic for me because in the first thirty episodes of the podcast was always audio only. So this is like, you know, it's <laughs> like a flashback for me in a sense. And yeah, an actual funny story. Like you know, it happened. Ra- the change of the format happened pretty randomly. One day, yes, it was I think episode thirty with Casey Curran from Seattle. Um, at the time, Zencaster like rolled in the f- video feature for the first time, so it was pretty new. And when he joined the call, he just joined with the video on, and because he assumed it was a video podcast. And I was like, all right, this is kind of like rude for me to not sh- turn on my camera. So I just turned on my camera, <laughs> and from that point, changed history forever. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even know that. I've never even heard of this uh, website. Yeah, I mean, Zencaster is not sponsored, by the way. Like, just let me quickly mention that it's it's a pretty useful thing for podcasting, to be honest. And um, yeah, let's move into the next signature question of the podcast, which is give us a little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design. Basically, tell us your origin story of what made you pursue art. Oh, my man, that's uh, when I was in high school. I like did not know what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, maybe I want to make games. That sounds like fun, but I didn't. And then I was like, oh, I can't code though. I don't. I'm not good at math, so I'm like, I don't. I don't think I could do that. And then I, uh, a recruiter from a school came and then like showed uh, what you could do without using math. And I was like, oh, I didn't think you. I didn't even know there was a thing. I didn't know like you could just like 3D model stuff. And I fell in love with that. So I went to the art institute. And originally I started out um, in their animation program. So I was doing 2D drawings and learning how to do like um, like old school animation, stuff like that. And the classes were pretty much the same as the game design courses, at least like the first semester. Everything was pretty much similar. There was like similar classes. They had like a intro 3D class and an intro like um, like level design class. So after maybe two quarters, I ended up switching into the game art, which they let me do. So it's kind of cool that I have like some uh, animation background. So I like kind of understand certain things when I when I'm watching like a movie or I'm like watching a TV show. And well, here's the thing that was kind of interesting, but I want to know, you know, when you were deciding to you know pick a major for yourself i i don't know if you went to college or not but um basically when you were at the end and on your senior year of high school you know did you in the end decide to just follow something game game development related or you went into another major that is deemed safer you know by probably family society or something then you could you know branch out to game design later you know how did your plan basically went about well i um so in high school to go to, there's a college that I wanted to go to, but I didn't have the credits to go to it. So I was going to have to go to a community college. But then I, uh, the recruiter that came from the Art Institute, 
showed that you didn't really need uh, those credits. So I was able to just like join. So that's kind of why I ended up doing the art school because they didn't, I didn't have to have like all of my uh, certain high school classes to be able to get into the, the school. Yeah, I could totally, you know, see what you mean, because a lot of people, you know, from my home country, I'm actually from Iran, they do the same, like, you know, they don't go to uh, like college, there's like, you know, trade tech schools. I think it's called Honarestan. It's like the substitute for high, for high school, for people who want to, you know, maybe later on pursue sometimes computer related tech, tech related stuff, or, you know, even art sometimes, you know. So yeah, I mean, I wish I did that, you know, when I was younger, and not went yeah. to high school, to be honest. And um, now, of course, in the introduction, I mentioned that, you know, you're a 3D environment artist, but um, do you want to, what will your main branch of design be in the future? Like, you know, what are you trying to focus on? Like, you know, as an specialist, you know, like, because in the environment art as well, there's so many different fields, you know, you can, you know, zone, you know zoom in, but what are you focusing on? Uh, originally, like after I graduated from college, I was just like, uh, like making small props and like weapons and stuff. And then I was told that, uh, to not like be a generalist, I guess, not focus on too many things. Cause I knew how to do three D. I was, I have a couple 3d animations that I had learned in the, in college. And I was, I learned how to rig a couple of characters, but, uh, somebody told me that, to keep it like focus on one thing and don't spread yourself out too thin. So I started focusing on environment art and uh, currently what I am doing is just focusing on um, just like mostly 3d environment art. I haven't really done anything with characters or haven't done anything like with, I haven't done much foliage. I've been mostly like, stylized i've been focusing on stylized stuff and hard surface yeah i mean i'm i'm basically on the same boat as you like you know stylized assets and you know hard surface stuff mostly but right now i'm kind of you know doing a course on environment art mastery as well and um yeah let's talk about some design processes of you know how you do environments but let me quickly mention you know just um, the pipeline we go through with the course I'm doing. So then you can let me know, you know, how does it, you know, compare to your own pipeline, you know? Okay. And so basically, um, we first start with like a, what, what's it called? I think there, wait, one of them was different. There was art blockout and there's, yes, we start with the, the design blockout first to get the, like, you know, the composition, you know, the scale, right? Then we go to the art blockout, of course, the modular, see how much we want to do modular stuff, how much we want to do, you know, unique stuff. Then after that, you know, it goes to physical lighting setups and, you know, the rest of the plans, which I'm not going to tell because it's going to be 12 more steps. And I don't yeah, think the listeners are going to be. <laughs> there is really indeed eager. a lot of steps. Yeah. But what are your main initial steps, actually? Like, what is your thought process on, you know, when would you want to approach any environment, basically? Uh, my favorite part is just like the 3D modeling. That's like my favorite part of just anything. It's just like, I just love doing that. So starting is like the worst part because I have to find something that I want to 3D model. And it's like, I have to find reference. I'm looking all over like Google and looking through images. I ended up for my, uh, for my stylized Maria Hassan. 
building that I, or environment that I made, I, uh, I searched Sweden and I was looking, I was on Google. I was like looking at all their, um, like the most popular buildings that they had there. And I was originally going to do like, uh, I forgot what it's called. It's like the, the main like square in Stockholm, but I was on Google, in, uh, Google maps. And I was like kind of walking around the streets virtually and then I saw I saw that building and I was like, oh, that's a really cool building. That'd be really cool in like a Overwatch style. So, so once I got my got my reference, took tons of reference. I was on Google searching. I was on Instagram searching, just reference and downloading images and making my ref board. And then I started blockouts. And I actually have a on my post, I actually have like a blockout. I have a video from like the very first blockout all the way to like the final. So I started the blockouts and started trying to get the camera angle that I wanted, that I wanted to keep like for the whole, uh, till the final. Cause I wanted that, like that long, like, uh, video of like from start to finish. And once I did that, it went to 3d modeling. So I had like made sure, um, everything that like I wanted, like I had ready, I guess. I don't know. That sounded weird, <laughs> but, um, uh, trying to think. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be modular so I could reuse. So certain things are like the corners. Uh, like if you look at the, the main image I'm using, uh, for the the building, the main shot I took the the corner that's closest to us, that can be like reused like on all sides, like as like a pillar. So that and then above that is a wall that's being able to be reused. So it's mostly just figuring out what I want to be able to be reused. I didn't even start on like the props and anything. I was mostly just like the full on block out. No, no like super detailed anything just full on like gray mesh block out then once i figured that out i had all of the um the modular pieces i had them all like the size i wanted them in maya and then off of those like i used a plane like a like a two by three meter plane and then off of that I would make my modular asset off that to the same dimensions and then from there um, I think I went to making materials which took probably the longest amount of time the the brick material took so long to get the way I wanted it it was it was such a pain um, so materials and then making sure the trim sheets, uh, so block out to the making the, I hope you don't have to do like a lot of editing for this. I'm sorry. I'm just like, no, no, it's fine. Like I don't really do editing. This is fine. Like I'm just trying to, uh, think of all the steps cause there's so many steps to think about. So 3d block out. And then I did the modular pieces started with the materials and then trim sheets and there's a lot of back and forth going back and redoing things and then 
putting them on the on the model and then iterating and then i think the buildings that are on the left i changed so much that the original materials looked way different and they were different colors it looked more like the more similar to like the real life uh, street but i i was told uh i was given feedback to um to change it up and make it look more stylized a bit and like have a better composition, I guess. So then it's just the textures and the materials and then basically everything. And I think the last thing I, I did was the, the foliage the trees and the foliage and some of the smaller props were like the last bits. And then the sky, I am, um, this guy was like the final piece that I had to do. The background visiting mean? Yes, the, the background was like, I uh, there's a ultra dynamic sky, I think is what I used on our station. Or not our station, the Unreal Engine marketplace I got, which I really thought was like, uh, like the best looking for like, what I was going for. All right. And um, here's an interesting thing that I actually want to ask you is how long did it take you to actually understand how the workflow of, you know, working with substance designer, like, because that's one of my biggest like weaknesses. To oh be honest. man. I still, I'm so bad at substance designer. Um, I, for the brick material, I was, I was following a, uh, I have a tutorial on YouTube and I pretty much like matched it similar, but then I started looking at other tutorials and then like taking pieces from like certain bricks on these other tutorials that I wanted and like kind of like putting them into mine. I started just like changing it uh, with the color and like the certain the way the cracks look. So it's just once I had like the the base from the tutorial on there, I started just like changing things, kind of understanding, like going from one thing to another, just understanding certain things, changing them, understanding how, what that change did. So with like the colors and the albedo, uh, like the normal map, the roughness, all that stuff was just like, basically just playing around with every all the settings and adding and taking away until like I finally got what I wanted, I guess. All right. And um, here's an interesting thing. Um, when like, you know, doing or like trying to plan an environment for yourself at first with the art block out, have you ever encountered this problem of, of like, you know, uh, biting more than you could chew? Because that's something the you know, most junior environment artists, you know, myself included, by the way, do <laughs> tend to do like, you know, they, make huge blockouts and have huge aspirations and energy at first but when it's finished and they continue with it they're like oh god i think this is too much and i need to lower the scope of my project like you know have yeah. you ever dealt with that that's definitely something i'm i've done before like with my i think every project i've done like my stylus columbus tower that was this that's been the smallest environment which like took forever just because it was much bigger than what i've done my like biggest thing from that was the the junk rat overwatch weapon that was like my biggest 
piece, I guess. Unless like I I also did uh, a 3D model of like my my bedroom, but that was like just mostly modeling and then slapping like a regular normal texture on there. So there wasn't much like game design. It was just more 3D modeling and then getting the light how I wanted it. But but the junk rat weapon was was like pretty good it didn't take that long to do that and then when i went this the columbus tower that took way longer because i was learning way more things i was like oh man it's like so i learned how to do trim sheets on that i learned how to do um vertex painting i learned how to use um tiling textures i wasn't using anything tiling i made my own tiling materials and textures for um, for the building. And then I also started, I did modularity for that as well. That was the first time I started with, I tried out doing something modular, which was very difficult because the building I chose was not a square. It was, it's like a, like a triangle. So trying to get things to snap together perfectly on a, a not a 45 or 90 degree angle was really annoying. But then I also learned how to do decals, decals. That was really cool. So everything really, oh, cube maps. Cube maps was like the biggest part of that project because I wanted to have an interior to the rooms, but I was like, oh, I can't do that. That makes no sense. So somebody told me about cube maps and basically it's a fake interior. So whenever the camera moves, um, it looks like the interior of the windows are like, it's an actual 3D room, but it's not which they use a lot in the the Spider-Man game for all the windows. They, they have fake rooms that they use to simulate that there's, I guess, it's not just a flat wall, it's more to that. So it, it gives you, I guess, more immersive uh, environment, especially when you're walking like down a street and you see like, because in real life, you're walking down the street, you could see like into apartments you can see the office building is new but if you're in a game like how they used to do it it was just like one flat image that wouldn't move and just the same image that they like in uh like the older gtas it was just like the storefronts were just like painted images that uh like the inside but they didn't move they didn't do anything so it looked pretty boring but yeah that's I right now currently, I think I bit off more than I can chew with, with the environment I'm trying to work on. It's it's bigger than I thought it was going to be, and I'm trying to figure out how to how to finish it and how to keep going on it. Oh man! Like I wish you the best of luck, and I hope you know you could finish it on time. And because I know the struggle, like you know, I'm kind of in the middle of that as well. <laughs> and um yeah i think about the spider-man uh, game thing i think i even saw a video about it the technique you talked about i think it's called parallax mapping or something if i'm not mistaken yes it's a yeah you could use a i think there's a parallax map is like a plane and then uh, i'm using parallax mapping and i'm using cube maps in that in my columbus or not yeah in my columbus tower so so one like the the image it's like an image. The parallax map is an image of like the 3D uh, room. So if I took like a picture of like the inside of a 3D room, 
So when the camera moves, it'll like warp towards the camera to make it look like it's moving. But that and cube mapping are like two different things. The cube map is using like way more of the engine to to sim- to like move around and see like the inside of the room because it's being projected from uh, there's like oh it's kind of hard to explain but if you make like a room that's like enclosed there's a camera in the middle of it so it's like um so it's like taking an image of the floor the ceiling like all the walls and then it is projecting them on a like a fake 3d space if that makes sense yeah definitely and um uh, speaking of overwatch who are your who are some of your mains actually oh overwatch oh man i could talk about overwatch all day um right now uh i think my favorite character is probably reinhardt as a tank but i've currently been playing wrecking ball like so much this season like i don't think i've even played him as much uh the rest the time the the whole time he's been out until this season like i've been playing him so much because i've been winning his it's funny all right let me ask this if you want to annoy the enemy team as much as possible who you're gonna pick <laughs> that's oh, a real question man. uh wrecking balls definitely definitely one to uh really annoy i'm surprised people don't start yelling at me but when usually when i'm not playing when i'm playing like support or i'm playing dps and then they have a wrecking ball it's so annoying because nobody's killing him no one's doing anything he's just rolling by and then rolling away but that and also moira is pretty annoying too oh god yes especially if like if your team is just like not able to do anything and the moira is just like doing dps from the back it's just like oh my gosh yeah i mean my personal favorite is junkrat i don't get why people don't play it more like it's so easy to you know annoy with it he's pretty easy character to play and just like can do so much with his ultimate it's it's really annoying it's like you'll either lose or win from that his ultimate yeah i think it's just one of my personal tastes like as long as in a game there's a character with satchel charges i kind of have affinity for <laughs> satchel, satchel charges honestly like my main in valorant is like you know um rays in like you know league and you know dota i play like characters that have you know are bomb related for some reason especially they all have satchel charges as well <laughs> i don't know like you know maybe i should you know try to do a satchel charge like you know explosive equipment project for myself as well i think that'd be, <laughs> that cool, be cool idea yeah that'd be a cool idea yeah, I need to play. I need to play more games. I've been I've been playing too much Overwatch. I think. Yeah, I mean the the thing with me is you know I'm kind of like impulsive. So, um, for example, I actually uninstalled Overwatch like a week ago. But right now I'm just from time to time playing Valorant and um, League of Legends. You know, sometimes it's not the best decision. I know. <laughs> I probably should cut cut that out. But the thing with Valorant is that I really like that. I that I really wish all other games tried to do that as well. Like. It's not an intended feature, but it's an amazing feature. Let me explain. Like, you know, you can make custom lobbies in Valorant, right? And you can, you know, invite your friends, maybe, you know, make a team of, for example, two versus a team of four and, you know, do wild stuff like that, right? But if you 
go there without any friends and you're alone and you can choose any map and you can go explore the map in ghost mode as much as you want. So for an environment artist who's trying to study environments, that is like an absolutely amazing thing, you know? And I love that so much. Like I sometimes, you know, put the camera in a way in a map and I start to do like sometimes for fun, like, you know, perspective drawing practices, you know? Like I wish, you know, more games would incorporate that, you know, as, as an actual feature. Yeah, that's really that's what I do on Overwatch. I I go in in the maps and just take reference images. The screenshots while so everyone's much. pushing the payload. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like that. Too. I have a like a folder of like Overwatch screenshots. Yeah, I have so many so many uh, reference images of just like all the materials and stuff from the maps. Yeah, and um, but honestly, Valorant and, and Ramat is really cool as well. Like, I mean. Personally, I, I love the Overwatch art style more than anything and the environments. I even bought the course from an arts lead, environment arts lead of Overwatch as well, Tiago Klavke's course. I don't know if you know him. Oh, uh, yes. I, I love his stuff. I um, I actually did a I did a small um, mentorship with uh, with Lucas. I can't remember his last name, though. It's, it's a long last name, let me see. Lucas... Anunziata, I think he's the, I think he's a senior environment artist or a lead environment artist on Overwatch. And I did a course from him. It was really, really uh, taught me a lot. Nice. And yeah, but it's still, you know, it's, but it still amazes me how Overwatch's optimization is so good, even though they have so much stuff in each map and game. Like, yeah. I play Valorant and Overwatch, you know, from with the same internet, but Overwatch runs way more smoother, even though it has so much VFX and, you know, assets, bigger maps and everything. But for some reason, it's more optimized, I guess, than Overwatch <laughs> sometimes, you know. It's really weird. Even though or in Valorant, you know, by the way, don't get me wrong, Valorant's team are, are extremely good as well. But it's just, you know, one of those things, you know, sometimes when I play, I sometimes get lag, even though the game is as optimized as they optimize it as much as they can. Yeah. But it still sometimes happens. Like, yeah, that's the weird thing about, you know, be, being an art, digital artist, especially environmental artist, because for games, because you don't have to, you can't just be an artist. You always have to worry about the optimization and everything, you know? Right. And like, yeah, it's kind of exhausting sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want to make this cool, super cool. Like my the bike I was making, I was like, oh, this is so, this looks so good. And then I was like, well, now I have to make the low poly version of it and basically recreate it but still get all that nice, crisp detail. Yeah. And all right, like we spoke about some artists. Let's move into the next question, which is kind of related to that. Who are some of your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? Oh, man. I could just like name everybody that's worked on Overwatch. <laughs> but... Um who uh somebody that like i've been watching or not watching i've been like looking up to them uh is uh, kevin brunt who goes by sir digital bacon he's a senior environment artist i think on valorant and from maybe two years ago i um i asked him if he could look at my portfolio and since then he's been he's been helping me ever since like if i have a question he'll he'll get back to me sometimes if he has the time because he's super busy but he'll he helps me a lot when i have questions and i want feedback on my uh environments 
All right. And here's the thing. Aside from art and environment art and all this stuff we talked about, you know, is there any other specific, you know, hobbies or ambitions or objectives you have you want to accomplish? You know, anything um, art related. I think it would be really cool to be like to do something Star Wars or just like even be in the background of a of a Star Wars show or a movie. That just sounds like really fun. Like being a backup actor you mean yeah like, like being back- an extra or something or even like making like a back to environment making like some type of prop that they use in the in the show or something that'd be really cool or movies yeah that would be interesting and all right we've reached the final question and section of the podcast, which is called Time Capsule. And by the name of it, I think you can tell what it's going to be like, but let me explain it this way. Imagine in a limited amount of time that you might have, you have the opportunity in a few minutes, let's say, to say anything from yourself as a human being to another human being that might be listening to this you know, podcast at any point of time in the future. So basically, imagine you're in the escape pod of a shuttle and you're about to be ejected into the abyss of space. <laughs> and there, before you get ejected, there's a countdown and you have some voice recorder that you can you know, leave some voice logs you know, behind. In that case, what would you say? Oh, man. Like, like about anything or just like art-related? No, no, no. Not... not. Like, that's kind of strange because before you're deaf, you wouldn't think about really art that much. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, you oh, know, yeah, anything. Like, anything that could come to your mind. And don't worry if your answer, if you think your answer might be cliche or something. Just say whatever that comes to your mind. Um, do things, do something that you want to be happy. Like, I, uh, sorry, I cannot think right now. Um, do something that's going to make you happy for the rest of your life probably because if you're just doing something or if you want to do something and you don't do it and you're just like settle for the next best thing you're not going to be happy you might be happy i mean depending but i would try to 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 be at least reach some type of goal that you set for yourself that that is like a dream of yours All right. I think that's a wrap. Thank you so much for coming by. Where can people contact you if they have any questions? Is your Instagram account okay or Twitter? Which one? Uh, my Twitter, Michael G underscore 3D. That's what I'm active on the most. Yep. That's linked in the description down below for anyone who's curious or want to you know, follow him on Twitter. You can go there. And um, yeah. That's pretty much it. Thanks so much for coming by. And thank you to anyone who tuned in and listened to this episode as well. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, leave a comment down below. You know, if you have any suggestions or comments or critiques, you know, always check them out. And with that being said, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Have a good rest of your week. Bye. Bye.